Welcome to another episode of Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. Say that five times fast. It's... Y- your weeknight. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. My name is Blake Lambert-Hack, and this season I will be covering deaths and hauntings in the Windy City, also known as Chicago, with a different special guest every week. Today I'm joined by a teacher, a runner? Yeah. 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 A runner. And a youth director from a Lutheran church, Amanda Dudgeon. Hey! How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited to be here. How would you describe a ghost? Um, that's a really great question. There's I no wrong think, answers. I always <laughs> think of like the cartoon ghosts that are just like kind of squiggly with the big um oval shaped eyes and some sort of mouth that's drawn in like in pac-man almost oh, do you know their names i yeah. was is it one peach no that's the princess <laughs> <laughs> there's a p one the pinky i think is one of them oh those ghosts have names i just don't know them. i didn't grow up playing Pac-Man. yeah sorry no <laughs> so you think of the cartoon version like casper yeah other ghosts like that do you believe in ghosts? I'm starting to believe more in ghosts the older I get. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So you haven't experienced any personal ghost things or have you? I have. Okay. Supernatural. Okay. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, do you know much about Chicago ghosts or Chicago hauntings? I do not. Even though I grew up here, I don't. Fair enough. That's been a common answer for a lot of people. That they don't on. really like teach that in elementary school. They're not like, here's our curriculum on Chicago hauntings. That's true. You could change that. <laughs> Maybe I will. You just have them tune into this. Okay, perfect. Amanda, mm-hmm. are you ready? For a story that I feel a lot of people have heard of, but I would bet don't know too many details. I'm talking about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Okay, that's like the only one that I know of, but I don't know what it is. See? (laughs) But I feel like that's common. Like, you bring it, like, everybody, Chicago, gangsters, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, alcohol, like, that's a common thing people associate with Chicago, but I can guarantee nobody can tell me details about it. No, I cannot. So I will be talking about that then, all the details regarding that. Okay. So I have another, this is a, the second Prohibition gang haunting that I've talked about because I talked about one in the third episode. So this is the one that kind of is the uh, sequel, if you will, because it's the same people, but a different oh. murder and a different haunting, okay. which is kind of fun. So it's Valentine's Day, of course, February 14th, 1929. Good year. Good year. 1929, yeah. Yeah. You know it well. (laughs) Four unknown assailants murdered seven members of the North Side Gang in a Lincoln Park warehouse. 
for all you uh, Chicagoans. That's 2122 North Clark Street. <laughs> it's now like a, it's like part parking lot, part, uh, I don't want to say garden. It's just like grassland now. It's a bunch, it's just grass and trees. It's part of a, a old folks home. Is that the right term? How do you, what do you, an elderly, seniors, senior retirement facility. Yeah. That's a nice political way of saying that. I agree. But I think it's a place where like the people who, who live there can walk amongst the grounds. It's like grass and there's a couple trees and stuff. It's a nice, lovely area that I hope the people walking it don't really know what happened (laughs) But, uh, yeah, seven members of the Northside gang were murdered in Lincoln Park, February 14th, 1929, at 10.30 a.m. It said that two... 10.30 a.m.? Yeah. We're getting our day started early. Like, what about brunch? Come on, people. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? They should be at brunch having this mimosas. This is Chicago. This is Valentine's Day. Where are the mimosas? Yeah, that's a good question. I wonder uh, what are all their girlfriends or wives doing? Just are they still asleep in bed and like not notice that their man is out of bed doing gang related activity on uh, Valentine's Day? I'd be pissed. I'd be not happy. Yeah, maybe they left a box of chocolates on the pillow before they left, <laughs> but some roses. <laughs> it said that two pistols or shotguns and two Chicago typewriters, aka machine guns were used to murder gang members Albert. I'm going to, again, you all know this already, but I will fuck up their names. Albert Kekelek? Kachelek? Yeah, that sounds great. K-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-K. Sure. Um, He was also known as James Jimmy, quote-unquote, Clark. Wait, his name is Albert, but he's known as Jimmy? Yeah, he, he is an alias. He goes as James Jimmy Clark. Um. So, I mean, never trust a man with three first names, but (laughs) (laughs) he was second in command. Um, There was Adam Hare. He was the bookkeeper slash manager. Albert Vine... Sounds more like the head. (laughs) You would think. Albert Weinschank, I guess. Uh, Frank and Peter Gusenberg. They were the enforcers. And then two associates, Reinhardt H. Schwimmer and John May. So those are the seven Northside gang members who were murdered. After the shooting, two of the assailants were led by gunpoint by the other two men who were dressed as cops out of the garage and into a car. Frank Gusenberg survived after sustaining 14 bullet wounds. However, three hours after the police questioned him, he died. The only survivor was John May's dog, which, I mean, if you're going to murder, like, leave the dog out of it. I agree. What was the dog's name? Highball. Highball? Is that a great name? That is a great name for a dog. (laughs) I'll post photos on Instagram, but he is so cute. He looks like a German Shepherd type, like. Well, if you're a gang dog, you can't be like a Bichon Fritz. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, you don't see a wiener dog ro- roaming the streets with gang It's not members. like a Yorkshire Terrier just being like, hey man. No. <laughs> Highball. I love that name. Uh, before Frank died, though, police questioned him, asking who shot him. 
And of course he responded, no one shot me. Classic gang. Uh, oh. I mean, I wouldn't trust the police either. But you have 14 bullet wounds. Somebody shot Somebody you. Somebody shot you. But yeah, he was at, yeah, no one shot at me. And then he died. So all seven died. The, so that was St. Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. or Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1929. I'm going to go into more of the details about the gangs themselves. Okay, that would be helpful in yes. understanding. <laughs> if you haven't listened to the third episode where I talk about Jaime, but I will cover some of that in this, but if you want more about him and that, listen to that episode. The leader of the Northside gang at this point was George Bugs Moran. That just sounds made up. Right. <laughs> that sounds like a cartoon gangster. Well, I talk like, about this. Starring the... Bugs Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of something I talk about in the, the other episode is that gang members, I guess in Prohibition, I mean, even now, love nicknames. They love a good... So what would your gangster nickname be? I'm going to stick with what Blake means in some other language or culture or whatever but fair-haired wow that suits you very well blake fair-haired lambert hack <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do that How about i you? like it um like an, an like an homage is that the right word yeah to uh the chicago musical roxy heart but i would go trixie heart okay so, yeah i like that Thank you. Amanda Trixie. Amanda Trixie Hart. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Bugs Moran was uh, the leader at this point. He was the initial target of the massacre. And this comes only after two and a half years after the murder of Jaime, which is the other episode. Two and a half years after he was murdered on the steps of Holy Name Cathedral. Damn. Which led to a gang war between the North Side Gang and the Italian Gang, also known as the Chicago Outfitters, run by Alphonse Gabrielle Capone. <gasps> Al, if you're nasty. <laughs> I didn't know that was his full Christian name. Yeah, that's a, yeah. No, Alfonso Gabrielle Gabriel. I mean, I'm, it's Italian, so, so I'm Gabrielle. Alfonso Gabrielle Capone. Yeah. But yeah, Al Capone. Nice. History between the two, Bugs and Capone. Leading up to Bugs' hate for Capone, as a good Catholic boy, Bugs Moran hated Capone's affiliation and I'm sure participation in prostitution. (gasps) I mean, the Northside gang are like Irish Catholic boys. They do not, that is not okay. Okay. But the Italians are like... The Italians are like, love means love, man. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Wine and prostitution. Uh, When Jaime was in charge of the Northside gang, he put a hit out on Capone, where the gang shot up an inn that Capone was having lunch at and attempted to kill him. Somehow Capone got away, even though they fired a thousand rounds into the inn. Who is that bad at shooting somebody? If you have a thousand <laughs> rounds, like, I mean, I could probably even hit somebody. <laughs> you would think. I mean, I only, th- I, I look back at Star Wars, the amount of laser bullets that are fired in Star Wars and the amount that actually like land. 
even I'm really good at laser tag, okay? And you shoot those laser guns as many times as you can and just pray that you See? are hitting somebody. And you do. You do. How do you a thousand rounds? I'm not gonna say they didn't hit anybody, but they missed the person that they were aiming okay. or going for. That's, so that's on the researcher then. Right. Those details. <laughs> In retaliation, Jaime was murdered, and that's what the other episode is about. After Jaime's death, Bugs Moran took over. In retaliation to Jaime's death, because that always ends well, Moran tried to kill a member of Capone's gang. Some sources also say that he put a price on Capone's head. I think it said like $5,000, which... I'd be pretty pissed about too. Yeah. So put five thousand dollars. Like, I was like, was that considered a lot of money? Or I think in nineteen twenty nine, that's a moderate all. amount of money. <laughs> yeah, for the leader of a, the one of the major gangs in Chicago, I wonder how much that. Yeah, is he mad because it's What's not enough? What's the inflation or... <laughs> rate of that? Good question. <laughs> Moran and Capone had also been vying for control of Chicago's bootlegging trade, of course. Moran had taken control of several saloons controlled by Capone, as well as muscling in on Capone's dog tracks. Dog tracks? Like uh, like ra- like racetracks, but for dogs. Mm. So instead of horses. Greyhounds, I think. Not, not greyhounds. Not the Bichon Fritz. No. <laughs> That'd be funny to watch them race. <laughs> They're sitting like they're so short. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's largely said that Capone hired members from the Egan's Rat Gang from St. Louis, Detroit's Purple Gang, and possibly Chicago police officers to lure the Irish Northsiders with premium stolen Canadian whiskey. Mm. So Capone isn't obviously doing the shooting himself, but... Outsourcing. Outsourcing. Delegating. Delegating. <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot more, like, shady dealings going on between them. Yeah, think? But these were some of, like, the major reasons why the gang war started. Okay. Um, I just... Let let me... I want to add that when we were kind of talking about (laughs) our ages earlier. Yes. How... 21 and (laughs) 19. (laughs) Very that. Um, Capone was 26 years old when he took over in 1925. Shut up. No, he wasn't. When he took over the gang in 1925, he was 26 years old. That is depressing. I'm 26 and I could not imagine taking over an entire gang. What are you doing with your life, son? <laughs> and then uh, Bugs Moran, when he took over in 1926, he was 33. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> Woman never tells her age. Never. Uh, but they were 30 and 36 during the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Oh, okay. Well, we're talking about when the Valentine's Day massacre, so let's focus on that. Let's not focus <laughs> on when they came to power. <laughs> what they accomplished before the thing that ends it all. Um, you, Al Capone, you try coming out with student loans, and then we'll see where you are. Yeah. I mean, he. All I, I mean, he moved. I wonder what moving costs at those at those days were from New York to Chicago, but can't be that much. Yeah, no pity part for you, man. No. Uh, Moran 
was to meet his gang at the warehouse by 10.30 a.m. on Valentine's Day, but he was running late from his Parkway Hotel apartment. Moran and Ted Newberry approached the garage, but was spooked by a police car approaching the building. They immediately returned to a nearby coffee shop. Same. That's what I would have done. When two other Northsiders on their way spotted the cop car as well and walked away after writing down the license plate number. So those four, so the leader of the Northside gang and three others were also supposed to be in attendance, but saw a cop car and were like, yeah, something's not not right. Yeah. Witnesses claim to see a Cadillac pull up to the garage where the four assailants got out. I think it's funny they're driving Cadillac because... <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a status symbol, though. It's 100% a status symbol. When my... It's a common story in my family that my dad's grandma, so my great-grandma, would not even go on a date with a man if he didn't pull up in a Cadillac. Whoa. That lady has standards. <laughs> uh, he, now, Respect. Now I know where I get it. <laughs> but she... And she lived in Chicago, too. So this is like, uh, she was like, I'm not, you're, you want me to walk where? Excuse me? <laughs> not the same thing with the Cadillac, but my mom inherited a Buick from her mom. And my, my mother would just park it however the hell she wanted. <laughs> and I'd be like, Mom, you're like over the line or whatever else. She's like, Amanda, it's a Buick. People expect it. <laughs> Shout out to Val Dudgeon. One classy ass bitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people respect it any longer. Maybe back in the day, but I don't, if they're going to hit a car, they're going to hit a car no matter what. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Just like people expect it. It's a Buick. Got it. Yeah. So witnesses claim to see a Cadillac pull up to the garage and then the four assailants got out. After the fake police, quote unquote, lined the North Siders up against the brick wall of the Lincoln Park garage. Yes. Two men pulled their submachine guns out and fired till they were out of ammunition. Okay, where were they hiding these machine guns? That is an excellent question. I found a picture. Now, this isn't all submachine guns because they're hidden in all types of ways. I found a picture, though, where someone hid it in a violin case. A violin? So are these gentlemen just, like, standing up against the wall and they're like, hold on, let me just grab my violin? (laughs) Great question. I wonder if the seven men were like there waiting, being like, "Where the fuck is my whiskey? Why are they late?" Oh, okay. Like, and then the four it was people a delivery, right? That they're waiting for, right? Got and then it. the four people hopped out of the van, out of the Cadillac. Sorry, I don't want to call it a van. Out of the Cadillac, and we're like back up against the wall, type of deal. Ugh. Or maybe the the fake cops got out first, or like this is a bust. Up against the wall, and then the other two got out. Maybe. Type of deal. Because I just think, like, machine gun seems very large to just conceal, like, right. in I your mean, pants. <laughs> definitely not hiding in your pants. <laughs> I mean, they're uh, they're Tommy guns, right? So they're not as, like, big as what we kind of think of what machine guns are now. But they are small, and there's, like, you have to... I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> I mean, look up, uh, look up Tommy Gun or look up Chicago Typewriter. I hope nobody's gonna be looking at my Google searches. <laughs> if that's the case, then I'm really screwed. 
Pick up Chicago typewriter gun. Well, okay. Tommy gun was like 1918 during World War One, And then what was the other thing you wanted me to look up? Chicago typewriter gun. It's funny how Google just is like, oh, is this what you're looking for? <laughs> Your cookies. I didn't get, get very far. <laughs> Good thing I'm looking for teaching jobs. People are going to be like, let's look at your Google searches. <laughs> You're looking up guns? Oh, awesome. Advertisements for <laughs> Chicago typewriters. So they're they're like the same thing. Yeah, yeah, Based on the photos. <laughs> they might be the exact same gun. There's just a lot of names for this gun because I believe, and someone can correct me if they want, but I believe the first ever use of that gun outside of war was in chicago which is why it has the name chicago typewriter Uh, chicago this chicago that there's like a lot of nicknames for it and i think the prohibition gangs in chicago were the first to use it okay that type of thing Hmm. you're right but they're not small so it's not like you're hiding them behind your back it's like right hey guys walking up with it behind your back (laughs) let me just pull up my violin case right okay but they fired until they were out of ammunition. So around 70 shots were fired at seven men. Which is... Ten per men, if you're doing division. If you if you know math, that's ten per men. You guys are learning so much from me. <laughs> Though, if you, if you remember back, the one guy had 14 bullet wounds, so someone didn't quite get... It's an average. It's what they call a medium. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for teaching our listeners <laughs> math. Um, but that's a lot of bullets... For someone that's not that far away, you know, no, they're all lined up against a brick wall because the fake police did that for you, and you feel the need to like let loose seventy bullets. It's excessive. That is excessive. That's extra, as the kids would say. I think the police would call it a personal attack. Mm. You know, when people like, I watch a lot of true crime, and it's like they stabbed her fifty-five times. It's like that's personal. That's pretty personal. So I think the police had a very good idea about who orchestrated this hit. Just behind this? Yeah. Because Al Capone was summoned to testify at the trial, but claimed he was too unwell to attend. As you do. I mean, I'm sure he used this excuse more than once. (laughs) (laughs) You think? But it also could be true because I don't know when he contracted syphilis. <laughs> right, he died of syphilis. So didn't Mozart have syphilis too? That could be. It was one of the. I should know this as a music. De- <laughs> Again, teachers quizzing you. As a music grad, I should know this. It was definitely one of those major composers. Definitely had syphilis. It may have been Mozart. It was either, because of Amadeus. It was either Mozart or uh, Beethoven. I can't remember. Because Beethoven also had hearing issues, but it may have been spurred because of a disease like syphilis. But This is just a friendly PSA to practice safe sex, everybody. <laughs> Very that. No one was arrested due to lack of evidence and possible police connections. I'm not going to say it's very relevant to today, but you can, <laughs> you can do the, your own research and uh, conclusions. But so years later, 
an ex-gang member, Byron Bolton. What a name. Byron? Byron Bolton. He confessed to the FBI. They kept his confession confidential because it was, quote-unquote, a state case, not a federal. Until a newspaper, the Chicago American, reported a second-hand version. So bless the media for calling the feds out. But that's shady on the feds for being like, hey, we have information about this crime, but we're just not going to talk about it. Interesting. Yeah. Bolton claimed that the men plotted the murder while in Wisconsin on a fishing hunting trip. He said the killers were Burke, Winkler... Wait, like... Sorry, no. Continue. Okay. (laughs) Uh, He said the killers were Burke, Winkler, Goats, Carrie, Crane Neck, Nugent, and Maddox. What it, that's that's his nickname is Crane Neck. Crane Neck. What? How do you get a na- nickname like Crane Neck? You must have the longest neck, or you're really just like hovering over people. Like you, mu- he must be like so tall, and he's just like, <laughs> like looking around corners, or I don't know. That's a weird n- nickname, Crane Neck. Oh, I would be like, can we revisit that one, guys? <laughs> Yeah, Crane Neck. I'm open to other suggestions. Just anything else. Crane Neck, uh, Nugent, and Maddox. So four shooters, like mm-hmm. we discussed, but then two drivers. And t- going back to nicknames, there are people who have like machine gun so and so, or like, like Al Capone's nickname was Scarface. Not that he loved that nickname, but that was his nickname. That's like badass. Badass. Crane Neck. Not cutting it. I will say, in college, um, I had a girlfriend who was sort of dating a Kane County Cougar. Oh, yeah. And if you are of this hometown of Chicago, you know that's our triple A or double A baseball team. And he was very tall and skinny. And so we called him String Bean. <laughs> I'm sure he loved that. I'm sure he did too. <laughs> Not to his face, obviously. Are they still together? No. It's probably because he heard that you guys were calling him String Bean. Yep. That was the reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So some people say Jack Machine Gun McGurn was in on the planning as well, but there isn't a shred of data to back that up. Plus, his girlfriend at the time gave him an alibi, though we all know how weak that is. <laughs> <laughs> he was at home doing laundry. Yeah, his his girlfriend was washing the dishes while he did laundry. Yes. Uh-huh, sure. Uh, but they did call it his blonde alibi. Oh. Which, honestly, I'm just trying to be someone's blonde alibi. <laughs> <laughs> Where you and I both know that two blondies over here. Uh, Moran was the target, obviously, but one of his men was accidentally mistaken to be Moran. So Al Capone's men apparently did not do their research hard enough because they mistook one of the seven men to be the leader of the gang. And he just wasn't. I feel like you should know that. You should know if you're killing someone and there's a hit out on someone, you should know what they look like. Like, I know that social media didn't, didn't exist back then, but I feel like those guys should have done a little bit more research. Al Capone's men just have Instagram pulled up and like comparing yes. next to the faces. Wait, go back. He, have, he hasn't posted in uh, two months. Go back to... God. 
Um, Al Capone put together a special crew for high-risk jobs and called them the American Boys. American Boys. <laughs> that is the exact theme song Al sings every time. He's like, call up the American Boys. All of which was corroborated by several people. So these are facts, people. We have witnesses. By the time Bolton confessed all... Of the gang members, except Maddox and Burke, were dead. So no action was taken by the FBI. Mm. I mean, I feel like the FBI could have still gone after Maddox and Burke. But, again, there's, like, not much evidence. So it's kind of all hearsay. And it's, like, one testimony of a gang member. So I guess it's not too much to really take anyone to trial. But... The gang war between Moran and Capone that led to this massacre effectively led to the downfall of both gangs. Oh. I mean, let me say the Chicago Outfitters at Al Capone. I mean, I don't... Outfitters. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to get my 50% off jeans at Chicago Outfitters. Um... They were originally the Italian Southside Gang. Okay. And then eventually became the Chicago Outfitters. I don't know when that change occurred. Rebranding. Rebranding for sure. But they're still around. The Chicago, Wait, today? The Chicago Outfitters are still around today. Like in 2021? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what they do, but they even have a Wikipedia page about them, and the leader is face and everything on their wikipedia page like this is currently who runs chicago outfitters oh. i'm not gonna mention their name anymore in case they're listening to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's wild that they're like still i don't what they do i don't know to me it's like a bunch of old italian men maybe in like little italy gambling. hanging out and having cappuccino right i mean go off but do you think they do like a sassy tap number in between two, like a shark or a jet? I wish. That are like jazz clubs. I mean, the Green Mile in Chicago is notorious. Like they used to be a speakeasy and like the number one place that was bootlegged in Chicago back in the day. And you can still go there today and see a jazz number or other shows, but that's what I'm talking about. It's definitely one of those things. They're 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 hosting karaoke every monday night (laughs) every monday night um the saltese mcgurlin gang attempted to take control of the north siders territory after the massacre but they were unsuccessful uh so five years after the saint valentine's day massacre prohibition ended woohoo woo causing the gangs to rely more heavily on gambling. But I'm sure there weren't... I'm sure there wasn't as much money in gambling as there was as bootlegging. Yeah. After losing their gambling operations in the national... to the National Crime Syndicate, Bugs Moran left the gang, ultimately dissolving the Northside gang. Whoa. Yeah. So if you don't know who the National Crime Syndicate is, because why would you? They're loosely connected criminal organizations consisting of 
but not limited to the Italian-American mafia, the Jewish mob, the Irish mob, and then everyone's enforcers that go by Murder, Inc. So they, like, have all, like, come under this one umbrella term. The National Crime Syndicate. So now the Northside Gang is no longer. Prohibition is no longer. In 1931, Capone was convicted of three counts of income tax. Oh, this is when they get him. Yeah, 1931. This isn't the first time. This is the last time. <laughs> 1931, Capone was convicted of three counts of income tax evasion, making Needy head of the outfits, though some claim Rico was the actual boss. And then the Chicago outfit is still around today. So that's kind of the history of those two rival gangs. It's like, literally, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this to kill you. Oh, we didn't kill them. So in retaliation, I'm going to kill you. Oh, we killed him. So you killed my boss, now I gotta kill you. Type it is this like com- And the world goes round and exactly. round and round and the world goes round and round. Very much that. Um, but before we get into the hauntings, we're gonna take a short break. Okay. Go watch the untouchables. Drink a whiskey sour, which is my favorite, but it has to be with an egg white. And try not to hold a grudge. And we'll be right back. Are you ready for hauntings? I'm a little nervous. (laughs) Okay, so the garage in Lincoln Park where the massacre happened is now, like I said, a vacant lot slash... I I don't mean lot as in parking lot. I mean lot as just grass and trees and stuff. Okay, you can't spot Hero there. What? Spot Hero. You know, like, reserve. I've never heard of that. You've never heard of Spot Hero? How old are you? (laughs) What is that? Like, you're driving to the city, you want to park your car somewhere, so you reserve a parking spot somewhere. I've never heard of that. Shut the front door! This advertisement brought to you by Spot (laughs) Hero. (laughs) Spot Hero, please, please, please pay me, and I will do an ad for you. (laughs) I'll hit you up with the app. Please. Uh, no, that's amazing. I I guess I've never really suffered that much for a parking spot where I needed that, but maybe well, coming here I will. Maybe to see the ghosts. I There will be so many people trying to see ghosts that I'll need to spot here. You will. If you are staring at the lot, mm-hmm. the largest tree in the middle signifies where the brick wall once stood. Oh, so the wall's not there anymore. No. It is now just... It's just now nature. Okay, in Chicago. In Chicago. It's said that the bricks from the wall bring people bad luck. So if you own a brick, if you have a brick from that wall, you're 
doomed to have bad luck. Who would have wanted a brick from that wall? You know those crazy people that are like <laughs> obsessed with true crime, ghost, murder, whatever the case may be. They're like, oh my god, I need to own. You know, it's like the whole Annabelle thing. They're like, what's the whole Annabelle thing? Have you seen Conjuring? No, because oh. I'm afraid of <laughs> scary things. You should have done your research. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I did not go on the Indian princess. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> that's not okay. But this was a club that people used to be a part of at the YMCA. It's called Indian Princesses. And I would not go on the haunted trail. I would cry at the beginning of it. <laughs> I mean, you're not alone. There are a lot of people who are like that. But just for you and the listeners who don't know, Annabelle is like a real-life doll. It's like a Raggedy Ann type deal. That's already scary. That's like haunted as apparently it's haunted. Like, Why is this one doll haunted? This is a tangent, y'all. It is, but... <laughs> um, you know the Lorraine or uh, the Warrens that the Conjuring movies are based off of. They're like paranormal investigators and stuff, and they have an entire room of all the objects from each case that they keep in this room and that they bless every month or whatever the case may be. So, like, who wants to do that? Is their job? <laughs> I I would. I love stuff like that. But people love these bricks, so like, okay, but. All of the bricks, so I think 300 of the bricks, are now in the Mob Museum in Vegas. There's a Mob Museum? I know. I found this out, too, doing this research. There's a Mob Museum in the Vegas, and there's 300 of the four. So we'll go see Brittany and Celine, and then go hit up the Mob Museum. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Spring wander, break 2022. Drink down the strip, and then head into the Mob Museum. But yeah, so apparently 100 of the bricks are all but a hundred of the bricks are in the mob museum in vegas which do they really want that many bricks well it makes me mad that the mob museum's actually in vegas yes vegas has a rich history of mobs but chicago is still number one for prohibition mob gang activity the mob museum should be in chicago but that's just my um probably a real estate issue I see plenty of vacant lots in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they actually rebuilt the wall in the Mob Museum. And you can see the bullet holes from the massacre. Ooh. So it'd be kind of fun just to like go and research, like check it out and see what else they have. To... I'll make to Vegas one day. It's not for the Mob Museum, but maybe I'll stop in while I'm there. There you go. <laughs> but a hundred of the bricks didn't make it to the museum. Uh, it is said that Capone was haunted by an entity until his death. After the massacre. Yes. He believed it was James Jimmy Clark, our favorite. Albert. Our favorite three named gangster, yes. yes. <laughs> Who was also uh, Bugs Moran's brother in law, which is why he oh, was second in command. He was in the family. He was in the family. I don't know how you say that in Irish. Oh, because he was in a, he was the in Italian, Italian game. Yeah. My Irish accent isn't worth Me trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, Al Capone sought out a medium to send James to the other side. But of course, it didn't work. The Long Island medium. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you believe in mediums? 
Uh, Be honest. This is all honest. We're... I don't, but again, I also am at this point in my life where I'm like, well, never say never. <laughs> I'm more open in my old age than I ever was in my younger years. I don't believe in mediums either. I yeah. believe that people are more susceptible to ghosts and afterworldly... <laughs> I don't know what word Experiences? that Experiences? Yeah. After encounters? Encounters, sure. But I don't think mediums like what we think of as a medium is like a real like the long like island one person who can right. talk to everybody right like that seems yeah. ridiculous it does seem a little ridiculous but al capone thought it was worth it so he okay. sought one out and then didn't work when capone was sent to philly for a gun possession charge this was three months after the massacre is when it said that's when the hauntings began when he was so this three months after the massacre while he was arrested for gun possession and he's sitting his ass in a philly prison which i visited by the way (gasps) which is kind of fun that prison is kind of creepy um that's when he started seeing this ghost of james jimmy clark was this while he had syphilis or before see i don't know when he caught can you look it up (laughs) <laughs> again my google search is gonna be <laughs> off Sorry. the charts i would look it up but my phone's charging um how do you even google that when did al capone, when did al capone contract syphilis <laughs> capone contract i don't know if anybody knows syphilis. because he kept it hidden for so long i don't know how to spell syphilis s y p h i got that much i l l i s something like that are you in there Oh, here we go. Uh, Atlanta U.S. Penitentiary, 1932. To... Upon his arrival to the Atlanta Penitentiary in May 1932, he was officially diagnosed with syphilis See? and gonorrhea. Okay. According to Wikipedia. <laughs> See, this is where it gets confusing because... That's when he was officially, you know, the prison has to do medical tests yes. on their prisoners. So that's when he was officially diagnosed, but he kept it to himself. He didn't tell anybody. So it could have been years before that. So it could have been now. So he could have been mentally, because so from my understanding is that he contracted syphilis, but because he didn't seek medical attention or didn't tell anybody about it, it like moved to his brain. Right. Because that happens. Right. It, traveled to his brain so nobody really knows if he's actually being haunted or if his his brain is like (laughs) malfunctioning because of syphilis but he was also suffering from withdrawal symptoms from cocaine according again to wikipedia so take it with a grain of salt no we trust wikipedia we trust wikipedia on this podcast (laughs) bread and butter um i there's factors to maybe hallucinations, but continue about the ghosts. Right. I mean, there's absolutely factors for hallucination, but I'm not going to say no to hauntings because he indirectly or directly was responsible for hundreds of murders. Yeah. Some I, I read somewhere that it was like around 400 murders. I don't want that on my conscience. No, but how can you, how can you be involved with 400 murders and not be haunted? 
That's by true. at least one person. That's true. The odds <laughs> are not in your favor. Not at all. Like, and then you're stuck in a prison cell where you can't run away from it and you're literally stuck with it. Yeah. Though I am going to say the prison in Philly, lap luxury. It's more like house arrest, maybe. Very much that. Okay. Very much that. He was being haunted while there. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) But, (laughs) and we, uh, he claims it was James, though we don't really know who was haunting him, but he claims it was James. Apparently, he would be yelling at night, telling James. Yeah, telling Jimmy James to leave him alone. Oh, okay. So he'd be yelling in the middle of the night where, like, other uh, prisoners could hear him yelling and being like, yeah. They'd also hear Capone having conversations with someone at night. Which, if you're living a lap of luxury, you're probably paying someone off, so it may have been a guard that he's having (laughs) conversations with. But also, if he's yelling in the middle of the night that, like, Jimmy, leave me alone, it very well could be a ghost that he's having a conversation with. Uh, even Capone's bodyguards, after he was released from prison, would run in at night thinking he was under attack. Like, that's how intense, like, the screaming or, like, panic Ooh, would be. no thank you. If you visit the site in Chicago, expect unusual mists. Which, when I visited, there were mists. There were? Yeah. It was misty when I was there. When were you there? Uh, it was probably three years ago, maybe a little longer. But I took the Chicago tour, and I visited that space, and it was misty. It was at night, but it was misty. <gasps> you can hear men's voices with no one in sight. You can hear screaming or machine guns firing. Oh, no. Animals are said to avoid this area. Well, because of the dog highball. He was probably like, get away from here. Well, he didn't die there, though. I know, but he was warning his friends. That's fair. From yeah. the other side. You're right. Um, I didn't see any animals while I was there either. Not a bird in sight. Not a bird in sight. Not a squirrel in earshot. <laughs> I heard nothing while I was there. Not a pigeon pecking at garbage. Not even a pigeon. And we all know how many fucking pigeons are in Chicago. Not even a pigeon in sight. Ooh. It, coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. After the shooting, the warehouse became a store that did poorly. <laughs> and then it became a nightclub. Where they would sell the bricks for a thousand dollars a piece. Woo! So that's why a hundred bricks are missing, because that nightclub was like a hundred people got super drunk <laughs> and were like, Yeah, give me one of those bricks. Exactly. <laughs> they were They got their credit card statement the next day, they're like, What the fuck? <laughs> they did a line of coke out of Al Capone's stash <laughs> and were like, Gimme the give me the brick. I want that brick. Um but I don't, as much as I would not be against purchasing something that had a history like that, if it gave me bad luck, I would get rid of that immediately. I do not. Like the monkey paw. Yes. Yes. Very that. But like if it was like the heart of the ocean from Titanic, <laughs> I'd be like, I might want that. <laughs> God, that's one of my favorite scenes. It's the, oh, <laughs> she drops it in. Uh, I love her. What an icon. What an icon. Just that old lady. A, 
jewelry that not only that that rock is thousands and thousands of dollars i'm pretty sure there were like diamonds on the necklace like yes why wouldn't you just be like here's my necklace (laughs) no i'm gonna drop it into the fucking atlantic and be like go find it i mean if i was and then she died and so if i knew i was like ready to like peace out I think I would do the same just for like the kicks and giggles. Giggles of it all. Like, good luck, bitches. Yes. Any final thoughts about St. Valentine's Day Massacre? Mm. Did you learn more about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre? I guess I did. I learned more of the details of who was involved. Um,. I always knew that there were just a bunch of guys who got machine gunned against yes. the wall. But the haunting thing is interesting that they only really seem to bother Al Capone or Jimmy did, Albert. Right. But then the rest of the world is just they just are like misty. <laughs> the rest are it. like, well, I kind of deserve this. We did not do great things. Yeah. <laughs> We were not Boy Scouts, as our mothers once hoped, but... Yeah. Okay, yeah. Interesting. I This isn't the only case, and I've seen this in the past cases that, even on this podcast, mm-hmm. is that it seems that the hauntings occur when there's no, quote-unquote, justice. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, it does make sense. In the past episodes, no one's been arrested for the crimes that have happened, and then there are hauntings. Mm. I mean, Al Capone was eventually arrested, but he wasn't arrested for this crime. For murders, it was like tax fraud. Right. White collar crime. Right. (laughs) So that I, I feel like that aspect is interesting to me because it's, we, we... Do you think then people in general or ghosts in general haunt when there is a lack of justice versus if it was just a tragic accident or... Well, if you... I think it's a combination because if you look at the first two episodes, they're both tragic accidents, mm-hmm. a fire in a theater and a ship sinking in the Chicago River. But both of those happen because people either lied or ignored or whatever the case may be, you know. Oh, for the green stuff. Right. Mm. So there was a disaster, but it was spurred on because of... It could have been preventable. Absolutely. Mm. So a lot of people view ghosts as being like lost souls. Mm. Or, like, have unfinished business. But I wonder if the unfinished business is just justice. Mm. Interesting. But who's to say? Who is to say? I'll have to ask the next ghost I see. Yeah. Have you ever experienced anything paranormal? We kind of mentioned earlier that you had something. Well, I actually have a couple. Okay. So I'm going to go through three. Oh, good. And then you can edit or have me back for as a surprise for later. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, please go okay. through all of them. So the first, is, it seems to only happen when I'm dating a boy. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> and, 
and things tend to get a little awkward in the in the relationship and things are fizzling out and so you'll send out a text and then you'll be like what are we doing this weekend and you don't get anything back very that and it's called ghosting it's kind of spooky (laughs) happens all the time that's my first example. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people can relate to that. So. Um, yeah, so terrifying. Anyway. In that case, we all <laughs> have had ghost experiences. Oh, yeah, so real. Um, no, but I actually have two valid experiences. So a couple years ago, I was spending the night at my parents' house. It was like 11 o'clock, 1130 at night. Everybody was asleep. The lights were out. And I was watching like Stephen Colbert on my phone, you know, catching up on the monologue. And the room is dark, and all of a sudden, the overhead light of the fan just pops on. The switch to the fan is across the room. Like, I would have had to get up and press a button to turn this light on. So I'm laying in bed with my phone, being like, what the fuck? (laughs) Freaked out. I think I laid there about 10 seconds before I got out of bed, walked over and turned off the light and crawled back in bed. And you better believe I was saying some prayers to the sweet baby Jesus in the manger. (laughs) So I have no, like the door didn't open. It wasn't like a sibling pulling a prank or anything. Like this light just came on out of nowhere freaked me the f out so i can only attribute that to like a supernatural experience has anyone else in your family experienced anything in that house you think that we talk about things like that (laughs) this is wasp culture come on we just suppress shit and we push it down and we don't talk about anything now you have to ask. I'm curious to know. I guess I will have to ask. How but long yeah. have they lived in that house? We moved in in, I think, 1993. Okay, so... It's been a while. So you cannot be the only person to No, we, we weren't the only person. The house was built in the 1950s. See. But anyway, scary shit. Um, the other experience I had was in 2017, I went to visit a friend who was living in Lithuania at the time, Hmm. and we spent some time in the capital of Vilnius, and one of the quote-unquote tourist attractions was to go to a KGB prison. Okay. You know, super fun times. So we went to this KGB prison, and... Well, I can't say I had any, like, ghost-like experiences, there were definitely evil spirits in that place. Like, it was like Harry Potter Horcrux level of, like, <laughs> ominous noise. Right. Like, you just know that shady shit went down. Was it, an, it wasn't an active prison. It wasn't an active prison, but it gotcha. was used during, like, communist right. rule in... Lithuania. Right. And so as you're going through learning about the history, how these people were tortured, you're walking through cells and torture chambers and you're just like, holy shit, like yeah. there is some gnarly shit business going on right now. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's how I felt walking through the Philadelphia prison that Al Capone was saying. Yeah. 
it's not an active prison, but like walking through it, you're like, something is not right here. Is not right here. It's. Yeah. It was one of the most eerie, chilling feelings I had ever experienced in my life. Just being like, there is some evil nonsense taking place here. Yeah. I'm going to read you a haunting from a listener who sent me an email. Okay. I was just out of college and was moving to a new town to give my to begin my first job. I found a small house close to work and decided this was a great first place to live. The man who I was going to rent the house from was extremely kind and also let me rent it fully furnished. Whoa. Which, where do you see that? Never. <laughs> Which was great as I had very little furniture of my own. Amen. I moved in and felt very at home in my new house until one day when I was sitting on the couch watching TV when I felt like there was someone sitting next to me. Oh, no. No. I brushed it off as just being tired. A few, days, a few days later, I was walking to the kitchen and thought I saw someone in the bedroom. No. Oh, no. When I went to look closer, there was no one there. These things continued for months. I would see a figure or feel someone in the room with me. I thought maybe it was just me or... I thought it was just me until a friend of mine came over and he asked if I had a roommate. What? No. Right. If somebody else notices, shut shut the front door. Uh-uh. This continued during the three years that I lived there, including on a- Three years? Time out. Three <laughs> years you deal with this shit? Yeah. Or dealt. Sorry. I mean- <laughs> This continued during the three years that I lived there, including on a Saturday evening in the summer, I was washing dishes in the kitchen sink. The back door was at one end of the kitchen, and I had the door open and just the storm door closed. Sorry, I know your kitchen and your back door are in the same room as well. (laughs) As I was standing there, there was a knock on the door. I looked over and there was a man standing there, well-dressed with a smile on his face. I told him I had just had to dry my hands, so I dried my hands and when I went to the door to find no one there. Nuh-uh. I looked all around the house and found no one. Uh-uh. The day- Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Renege on that lease. The, the, the day that I was moving out, the man's son, whom I rented from- came over to check things out before I left. I asked him if he had ever seen anything in the house. He said, oh, that's probably Ben. Oh, just casually? Casual. I asked who Ben was. He told me that Ben lived in the house with his dad and had passed away in the house the month before I moved in. No! I certainly wish they had disclosed that before I moved in. No! That's from John. No! No, that makes you want to ask some real serious questions, y'all, when you're signing a lease. I feel like, I guess you, I don't know what the law is on that. Do you have to disclose that someone died in the house? I think it's actually, I think it depends on each state, but from my memory, if they don't ask, you don't have to say anything. But if they do ask, you have to tell them. 
So again, PSA, always ask <laughs> if you are renting, was anybody dead or murdered here? Though I am going to say... That also reminds me, a few years ago, I went to New York City for a little vacay, and I had no money at the time, so I stayed at like a Days Inn on 96th Street, yeah. and you better believe there would be people who were murdered there. <laughs> Oh, motels are, <laughs> those are sketchy as fuck. Yeah. I... Like little creepy corridors and a jankity elevator. Oh my God. I cannot believe I even, if my parents knew, they do not <laughs> to this day knew that I stayed there alone. I don't want to say that I wouldn't rent or buy a house or an apartment if someone had died in it, I mean, if it's if they knocked off enough money, if it's cheap, <laughs> I would be like, no. is she or he nice? Then we good. That's the other big part. Is I'm gonna be like, is I mean, were they murdered because they were a bad person, or was it an accident, or did they just die of a heart attack, or what was what was going on? I need to, yeah, I need some upfront information for sure. My question, though, is what captures a spirit in the in-between of whatever final destination one believes in? Right. I mean, it could be justice, like we talked about. It could be they didn't accomplish everything that they wanted in life. What did they plan to accomplish in death? (laughs) I talked about this before, but you've watched Friends. Yeah. There's that whole episode where Phoebe's like embodied by a woman and she's... Remember she thinks her mom's a cat? That no, one? that's a different episode. Oh, Phoebe's got a lot of things going on, everybody. <laughs> she's like a woman enter her body and... <laughs> I get to remember this, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can't remember the woman's name, but she wants to see everything. She always said that through oh, her entire yes, life. Yes, she's yes, like, yes. I want to see everything. And then so yes. Phoebe is living with this other woman in her body until she goes to like Carol and Susan's wedding. And yes. then now I've seen everything. Yeah, seeing a lesbian wedding is now I've seen everything. And then she like left her. And that was the end of her ghost experience. <laughs> so like it's a comedic way of thinking about it. But that may, I mean, that very well could be a reason why. Oh. I don't know. I, my ghost experience, I didn't have a chance to ask him. So, next time I see one, maybe I'll ask. Yeah. Who's to say? We won't know until we die. I guess that's true. Well, thank you for joining me. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) Absolutely. You, listeners, can follow Haunted Hometowns on Twitter or Instagram at Haunted Hometowns. And I cannot stress this enough. Please email me your haunted experiences at Haunted Hometowns Podcast. I really, really love to hear other people's ghost experiences. It is fascinating to me. So please. Could be anything from a strange shadow at the foot of your bed to a doll that follows you around the house. Ew. <laughs> But please let me know. Email me, hauntedhometownspodcast 
Well, Amanda, thank you for joining me again. <laughs> Thanks, Blake, for having me. Till next time. Bye. Um, I found some of this information on Wikipedia, medium.com, History Channel, Mod Museum. The artwork for Haunted Hometowns is by Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram, p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. And the music is by Tyre. Follow him at For Boys Like Me. That's F-O-R, Boys Like Me.